who am I? I am goofy and awkward. I am an athlete, a musician, an extrovert, and an introvert, and I have that written in all caps, so just so you know. <laughs> I'm an observer, I'm a daughter, a listener, a sister, a friend, a biggest fan, a peacemaker, and a thinker. Hello and good morning. My name is Elizabeth, and previously stated are some of the ways that describe me. However, they don't define me. They don't stand alone as who I am. They only enhance my personality. Identity is something we have been talking about, analyzing, and discussing here in the well since the beginning of the semester. If you're just now catching on to this theme or today is the day you choose to check in, then welcome. I hope my words are worth your attention and time. All I ask is one thing from you. I want you to step out of your normal default to zone out and give me a few minutes of your time. Being up here is quite intimidating and today is the day I can finally understand what those who have spoken before me felt and those who will speak after me feel. Identity describes who or what a person or thing is. However, let us not get caught up in the I of the word. Just because it starts with I doesn't mean it ends there. That's why I'm up here, with all my nerves and with all my excitement, to ask that we change the focus, switch the script. Take the pressure off of me and off of you, because trust me, this world we live in emphasizes a person's identity as something that needs to be found immediately. Instead, let's all take a breath. Maybe like shake it out a little bit. I don't know. That was more for me. <laughs> and look to the intended model of our identity. Someone who was written about, hoped for, for thousands of years before his arrival on the scene. A human just like me and just like you, but fully God at the same time. A man with one simple motivation, that all people can know God and be set free, be forgiven. A man who lived without fault, without blame, a man who loved everyone despite their past, their sins, their shame. Someone who deserved the highest praise, honor, glory, and fame. Philippians 2, 6 through 11 says, Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the highest place of honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now I'm going to go back and read verses 1 through 5 because I feel that this has an application to us today. So is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the Spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? then make me truly happy 
by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have this attitude as Christ Jesus had. Are you compassionate? Are you trying to get along with each other? Are you being selfish? And this next one's a big one. Are you living to impress others? Am I living to impress others? Are we solely looking out for our own interests? You see, Jesus calls us to have the same attitude as him, to live like he did. He does not call where he won't lead, and his life is proof of that. That's an identity worth investing in. That's an identity that will not fade. Putting our trust in Jesus means grabbing onto something that will anchor us when everything around us is unraveling. My most recent reading selection, Painting Beyond Walls, has a quote that I think is worth sharing with you all. There we go. <laughs> Living wasn't that difficult. The one thing worth knowing, the singularity of life, was to identify what you most loved and follow it. After you persevered long enough, others would join. I have gotten into the habit of journaling my own thoughts and feelings. And as I was looking back at my journal entries, I found one that I think fits really well with this message. I hope it can be encouraging to you. It is called the unquenchable thirst. No matter where you are, there's always going to be something about that place you don't like. Whether it's too much of this or not enough of that, whatever it may be, there's always some element that falls short. But to what end? Will we ever find what we're looking for? Is it realistic to think that there will be a place in time whenever every single thing is up to our standards? Or will disappointment surely follow like it always does, lingering behind like an unwanted but always present guest. It seems that the human race is conditioned to want more, to constantly be seeking the next level. You see, the truth about wanting more is that nothing will ever be enough. That thirst will always be left unquenched. As kids, we are taught to never settle. We're encouraged to chase our dreams, but not at the expense of practicality. And I wonder when asked, what do you want to be, if kids will start saying, I want to be an accountant or a realtor, instead of, I want to be an astronaut or a professional singer. But when will it ever be enough to just be? When will it be enough to just be a boy or a girl or creative or funny or smart? Or has it always been enough? Have we always been enough? And you know what the saddest part is? Most people believe that at some point in their life. So what if we took a minute to look around and appreciate the good things that are going on instead of constantly picking out and even looking for the bad? Just as we have been conditioned to want more, we have also been conditioned to assume the worst. What if for once we lead with gratitude? Why not seek out joy?
That sounds like a world worth living in, doesn't it? Identity isn't found in achieving. Sorry, value isn't found in achieving, and identity isn't found in effort. And if that were the case, nothing we do would be enough. I'm going to be real with you guys. Even though I prepared this talk for you all, I'm also speaking to myself just as much because I struggle with my identity too. It is my prayer and hope that if you are struggling to see how you fit in this world, that the eyes of your heart can be opened and that you realize you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to give every ounce of your effort to create an image worth loving. There was no fine print scratched into the cross that Jesus carried to his crucifixion, and there are no strings attached to his love. It is his identity. It is written in his soul to love. He does not ask that you have it all together in order to approach him. It is just the opposite. Without him, without grace, you will find that no matter how hard you try, the identity you are trying so hard to build will disappoint all of your expectations. Now, you might be sitting there wondering, Elizabeth, why did you spend most of your time up there talking about somebody else's identity? And the answer is simple. All of who I am is because of him. And I believe that in order to find who we truly are, who you truly are, find our purpose and identity, we must first look to the one who died for us. So who am I? I am saved. I am forgiven. I am redeemed. And I am loved. And not because of anything I did, but because he is a savior, a forgiver, a redeemer, and a lover. Thank you.